Now, not only is he the winningest football coach in the history of Nebraska football, 26 years after his last game, he's still one of the most recognizable faces and voices in our state. For Coach Tom Osborne, it's always been about more than winning. And his latest book, published by Cross Training Publishing, is called The Legacy of Leadership. Now, this morning, we're looking forward to connecting with Gordon Teeson of Kingdom Sports and Cross Training Publishing about the lessons he learned while working with Coach Tom Osborne on this new book. Gordon, welcome to the morning conversation. It's good to be with you this morning. Yeah, excited to uh, dive in this morning. We're going to be talking about Coach Osborne's latest book, The Leadership Legacy. Super excited to talk about, you know, you and I have a long, long history. It goes all the way back to FCA days when you and I were both on staff and we've had a friendship ever since. You've done a lot in the area of publishing. You kind of got into publishing probably, what, 30 years ago? As I was serving with FCA, we saw the real need for resources to become available. FCA at the time didn't have Bible studies or resources. They had a magazine, but really was not anything that was helpful to the groups that we were serving with. I really had never planned to get into publishing, writing, editing, those sort of things. But I could see that the Lord was kind of directing and leading me into this because there was just a need for it. When I saw kids come back from camp, they'd ask the question like, what do I read in the Bible next? Like, how do I read the Bible? Do I pray? Do I keep a prayer journal? You know, just basic spiritual discipline questions like how do you how do you handle your life spiritually? What's the direction you can take? So I started out with something called a cross-training workout that you and I both kind of gave out to kids. And just one thing led to another over the years in terms of publishing resources that I thought would be helpful to people's souls. Through that uh, journey of entering into the whole world of publishing, Gordon, now you're at a place here recently where you helped publish Coach uh, Tom Osborne's latest book, again called The uh, Leadership Legacy. How did that happen? A little over probably a year ago, he mentioned to me that he's got a lot of things he's written on leadership. I had published a lot of those things. He did a class at uh, Creighton University on leadership and really wanted to make sure that um, that could be available in a book. And then I had another thought, which is, Coach, would you let me do some interviews with former players, coaches, maybe even family members to validate some of the points in the book? And I didn't know how many chapters we'd have on leadership. I was guessing somewhere between 15 and 20. And it also turned out that I thought maybe one story per chapter. And he he liked the idea that they could validate that leadership principle, kind of flesh it out for people. Hmm. And so over time, as we interviewed people, people over the last year, year and a half, we have 28 people that participated in Mm. the book, a total of about 52 different stories at the end of those 20 chapters. Mm. And so I really feel like that brings a lot of things to life. Mm. Uh, People talked about things they saw in the Nebraska football program, uh, things they saw in Tom's life. So Gordon, the the full uh, title of this book by Coach Osborne is called The Leadership Legacy, Leading with the End in Mind. Kind of give us a little highlight from the book. What is the end in mind? It's actually something he initially picked up from a a popular author, uh, Steve Covey, who teaches this in terms of leadership. But it's also something you see also in the Bible in the book of Ecclesiastes, where Solomon oftentimes gets us to think about and look to the end and work our way back. And that's helpful just in terms of what are you leaving behind? What is the legacy you want to have? I think it's super helpful for leaders.
leaders just to be strategic and to think about not tomorrow, not just next week, but to think about 10 years, think about 20 years, think about what you want your legacy to be. So I, I think that is a great subtitle for this book. So you could think about Coach Osborne's 86 years old now. He's looking back on his time, both as a coach, a congressman, uh, somebody that leads the teammates mentoring program that I think they work with about 11,000 or so volunteers through their public school mentoring program. So he's a guy who's led and led well, but he's always had that end in mind, which has helped him take progressive steps towards being the best leader he could be. So Gordon, you mentioned earlier that uh, one of the things which I think is going to be a a really cool part of this book, and I think going to be super interesting for people, uh, because ultimately proof is in the eating of the pudding, as the saying goes. You can talk about leadership all you want, but like, are you able to execute on it? And is there evidence of that? Coach Osborne has lots of evidences of the strength of his leadership from all the places that he's led, not just in Nebraska football, but in the government as well. This whole place of having people speak into validate Coach Osborne's leadership, you were one of those that added a story. So what was the story that you told about Coach Osborne? Uh, It was just a vivid memory I have just as a freshman. And I was, uh, at the time, I was an unbeliever. I was pretty selfish. I was very self-oriented. And and I recall we had a scrimmage going on. And I didn't realize the freshman scrimmage. I didn't realize that Coach Osborne had walked over to to watch the scrimmage. And during the, the midst of the scrimmage, I had one of the offensive linemen. I was a defensive player. And this large, really big lineman just hit me from behind clipped me, not a legal block. Uh, I I thought he was almost thought he cut me in half. It was just like, I was just really, I didn't get permanently hurt, but I was like really frustrated. And so when I walked off the field, I ripped my helmet off and I threw it to the ground and it started bouncing and the ear pads came flying out and I saw it bouncing. I didn't mean to do that, but it was just in frustration. And believe it or not, it actually passed right by Coach Osborne's feet. And he looked at me, he looked down at the helmet, he picked the helmet up, handed it back to me, and he said, Gordon, we don't treat our equipment here at Nebraska like that. I don't I don't want to see you do that ever again. And so I thought, wow, I I was very embarrassed. I thought I, I probably should have probably should have made me run, but it was kind of my warning that, hey, we have a way of doing things here. And in the book, that is a story that's under the chapter on accountability which leaders do need to hold people accountable. Now, he was kind. He he really called me out and warned me, and it could have really made it harder for me. But I knew right then, like, okay, there is a way to do things here at Nebraska, and I need to be accountable to do the right thing. Gordon, you mentioned again earlier that that there's a number of different stories from a number of different people who sat underneath Coach Osborne's leadership. Which one would you say is your favorite story out of the stories that were told about Coach Osborne, and, and why? My favorite is the Ron Brown story. And it's actually when Tom and I talked about this over a year ago, and I said, this is what I would like to do with some of the interviews. And he said, well, you know, let's talk about it. Give me an example. Florida State had just beat Nebraska back in the 90s, and Bobby Bowden had interviewed Ron to take a job at Florida State. So Coach Brown had flown down to Florida State. He looked at the campus and was in a meeting with Bobby Bowden. Bobby slid a piece of paper over the desk to Ron and said, well, Coach Brown, I, I know what you make at Nebraska. And he said, I'm, I'm willing to pay you you know, quite a bit more than what Tom pays you. Ron looked at the paper and said, looked up at him and said, well, actually, Coach, I make quite a bit more than this. Bobby said, well, how can that be? I, I know what you make. And Ron said, well, what Coach Osborne does, he takes the shoe 
do contract money. And back then, I believe it was Adidas. He takes the money that, I mean, rightfully is Coach Osborne's money. And he also takes the money that comes in from the camps and the clinics. He puts it all in a, a big pot and divides it up among the assistants and the graduate assistants. And so that's why my income is actually greater if I stayed at Nebraska. Now, Ron said, that's not why I would not take the job, but that's just why that there's a difference there. Of course, Bobby immediately said, Dad, gum that, Tom. Why does he do that? I mean, nobody does that. And that's absolutely true. Nobody, nobody has probably ever done that in college football. Ron said something to the effect, well, I think it's his way of demonstrating his loyalty to us as the coaches. He wants us to stay and be around. And of course, Coach Osborne had many assistant coaches that stayed as long as 30 plus years. And in Ron's mind, that that was a demonstration. So it's hard not to be loyal back to Tom in that case. So I explained this to Tom a little over a year ago. And Tom looked at me and he said, Gordon, I've never heard that story. He says, a good story, but I've never heard it. So, of course, on the way home, I called Ron. I said, I said, Ron, I mean, I know I got this story right. You've told me this story several times, but you never told Tom that story. And Ron said, no. He said, actually, I think I really kind of hurt Coach's feelings when I would consider leaving Nebraska. Again, think about loyalty. And he said, so when I chose to stay in Nebraska, we just never talked about it again. I never brought it up. So that's my favorite story because it, it made sense to Tom. So, Gordon, as you think about uh, the things that that people will get uh, again. We're just just to give people a little bit more of a, of a teaser to uh, to recognize the the benefit of potentially reading this book. What's something that they would potentially be surprised by? Got this email from this guy, and he said that he played from 1980 to 84. Coach Osborne had asked him. He said, "What?" Can I do to help you? What do you What do you want to do next? And he said, "Well, I, I'm interested in in real estate and commercial development." And Tom said, "Well, I've I've got somebody I know in Dallas. I think could help." So he kind of opened some doors for this guy, and he later even helped in terms of graduate school. But Tom had a particular interest in this individual that went way beyond sports, way beyond football. It turns out this guy is is a, a, a very successful businessman. His name is Rod Yates. He's developed the Nebraska Cross. Uh, that many people know about that business that's near Gretna, developed many other things. And I like the quote that he wrote me, that Rod wrote me. He said, Tom Osborne, I owe everything to him for who I am today in my business. And he is a, quote, wealth creator. And I like that term. And I think Rod would agree with me. It's not just financial. Coach Osborne as a leader created something in his followers that had to do with morality. It had to do with spiritual development. He was concerned with the whole player. And so I think people don't always understand just how deep that went. And in fact, the one thing that's in the book many people may not know is that Coach Osborne had a list of players that he'd look at every single day. And that list probably had at least 150 to 160 guys on the list, first and last name. And he would go down through the list and pray for each of the players by name. To me, that is incredible that he would do it. But it's also the reason that so many players who've played for him 20, you know, 30, 40 years ago, a long time ago, will see him on the street. He'll know their names. And he does have, obviously, he had a good memory. But when you're praying for, when you're praying for somebody every day and it's for a year, it's maybe as much as four years, you know them. And in fact, he would make a point to know family members' names. That was just a thing that he did that I've encouraged many pastors, many church leaders, that if a football coach could do that, 
150, 60 players, could not a pastor, could not an elder of a church, could not a leader in a church pray for their people in the church in a very similar way. And it's kind of shocking to some pastors when they, they hear that. They're like, well, I'm really busy. And then they realize nobody probably was busier than a Tom Osborne, but that was an important thing for Tom to do. Gordon, as you think about Coach Osborne's book, how do you envision people utilizing the book? What would be a way you'd say, man, if you really want to get the most out of this, here's a way to come at this. Well, one of the things we we did, there's actually two versions. There's a version that anybody can find on Amazon that's just your generic version. And even that, the 20 chapters are filled with substance and, and, and spiritual and Bible verses and just helping growing as a leader and in that area. But we also have an addition that's on our website at Cross Training that was what I call Bible Study Edition, where we added 20 pages for the 20 chapters on a Bible study so that if someone wanted to, whether it was in the Fellowship of Christian Athletes group or in a, at a church or a men's group, they actually take the book and guys could read or ladies could read the chapters and then go to a study that goes with that. I wanted it to really be a source of inspiration, perspiration, and something that would drive them to understanding more about the Bible and how that has impacted Coach Osborne's life. And in fact, there's a, another story by a friend of mutual friend of ours, Chris Bubach, who's served, served many years with FC. And Chris's story in the book is how before a bowl game, he saw Coach Osborne was was working on something before a bowl game. Uh, I think it's probably the same day. And he said, Coach, what are, you, what are you working on? And Chris was thinking, well, it's probably game planning or something for tonight's game. And Coach said, well, when I get back to Nebraska, I need to teach a Sunday school class. And Chris couldn't believe it. Like this guy who's preparing for this big game, he still is teaching Sunday school and he's preparing for it. But he was always had in mind that the spiritual was was the most important. And you see that as a driving force force from when he committed his life to Christ at an FCA camp as just out of college to his entire career that the driving force was wanting to please his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Gordon, these have been some great stories. What a blessing it must have been for you to once again work with your former coach on another book. Thanks for sharing your morning with us. I really appreciate you having me on.